1: Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus made many radical statements about himself, which eventually got him crucified. Was he right in what he said, or was he mistaken? People who are deluded into thinking grandiose thoughts about themselves suffer from a mental condition known as megalomania. Jesus claimed what no other religious leader has ever claimed. That is, that he was God in the flesh. What are we to think about such a claim? C.S. Lewis said that we are left with only three alternatives. Either Jesus was a deliberate liar, or he was a deluded lunatic, or he is Lord. Jesus' enemies asked, what sign do you show us to prove that you have the right to say and do what you do? Jesus said there would be one sign that would vindicate all the claims he made about himself, and that is the resurrection. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it up. And he did. This is Set Free with Ken Legg.
0: Hello, and thank you for joining us. It's Phil here, along with author and pastor Ken Legg. And on this Good Friday, we continue to survey the wondrous cross. And Ken... We certainly can't speak of the death of Jesus without also referring to his resurrection, can we? I agree. Uh, The
1: resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation stone of the Christian faith. Our faith stands or falls on it. Jesus never predicted his death without also foretelling his resurrection. So if he didn't rise from the dead as he said he would and as his apostles proclaimed he did, then we would have to say that Christianity is the most elaborate hoax Ever poured off in the entire history of the world. And our faith would be in vain. We would still be in our sins, as Mm. Paul said, you know. Had Christ not been raised from the dead, it would have been an indication that his sacrifice was not accepted by the Father. But his resurrection was God's open approval, if you like, of his offering. Mm. Paul put it this way, Furley said, Jesus was delivered up for our offenses, but was raised for our justification. In other words, the death of Jesus was payment for our sins but his resurrection was the receipt that the payment had been
0: made in full. Mm, I like the way you put that. So if the Christian faith stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, is the onus then on us to prove that he actually did rise from the dead? Well, first of all, people don't get
1: saved because the church has produced evidence of the resurrection. I certainly didn't get saved on that basis. Phil, I'm sure you didn't either. But God has ordained through the foolishness of preaching that people come to faith in Christ. You know, when we heard the gospel, God provided a basis for us to believe. Faith came supernaturally by hearing the word of God. However, our faith stands up to investigation, particularly concerning the resurrection. Um, Luke, you know, Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, examined the evidence for the death and resurrection and he interviewed many eyewitnesses. And he says that Jesus showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. That's a term indicating the strongest type of legal evidence. The evidence for the resurrection actually has been examined more than almost any other event in the entire history of the world. For example, in the 1930s, a young British lawyer by the name of Frank Morrison set out to attack the resurrection, declaring it to be a fantasy. Uh, He sought to expose it as a fraud if you like. And he investigated it as a lawyer would in order to be able to reject it on the grounds of evidence. But he concluded against his will that the resurrection was an undeniable reality. In fact, he later became a Christian
0: and wrote a book on the subject of the resurrection called Who Moved the Stone? How often have we heard those stories where someone's gone to disprove what happened and then had a radical transformation realizing this is true. Yeah. It's amazing. And probably the greater miracle, Ken, is that Luke was a doctor and we're actually able to understand his handwriting <laughs> these days. But it's what Luke was saying, and also Frank Morrison also says, is that there is actual evidence for the resurrection that would stack up in a courtroom. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, that's a fair comment. Uh, you, you take
1: the eyewitness evidence, just two or three eyewitness accounts in a court of law would be enough to substantiate evidence today, you know? But let's just look at the eyewitnesses that gave Evidence of the resurrection. I'm just reading to you now from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 5 through to 8. Uh, It says that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, Mm -hmm. then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain. though he says some have fallen asleep, some have passed on. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, says Paul, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. So from the resurrection morning until 40 days after, there were 10 recorded appearances of Jesus to individuals, disciples, and groups, including, as we've just read, 500 together on one occasion. So the accounts are graphic and detailed. And of course, the transformation of the disciples was incredible. The same ones who had previously cowered in fear and and unbelief boldly proclaimed that he was alive not not fearing you know that they might be put to death for mm. making such a claim take Peter for example who had denied Jesus out of fear he was transformed from being a reed to a rock bravely pre- preaching the resurrection uh, in public places you know not fearing what was going to happen to him take James the brother of Jesus who before the resurrection was an unbeliever but he became a fervent believer in fact he became the leader of the church at Jerusalem Take Thomas, you know, we know that uh, Thomas was transformed from being a skeptic to being an apostle. And, and the New Testament was written by, mainly by eyewitnesses like these that we've just mentioned. And then, of course, look at Paul. Paul was the arch enemy of the church who, through encountering the risen Christ, became the greatest apostle of the church. The writings of these men, Phil, helped change the moral fabric of society. We've got to ask the question, would such writings be based on fraud and deceptions when they've had that kind of moral impact upon society? We know that people would die for the truth, but would
0: they really suffer flogging, beatings, imprisonment and death for a hoax? I don't think so. No, and of course there's the empty tomb as well. Jesus was buried and a watch was set over the tomb uh, by soldiers you know, who, who were on duty. They were charged and there were severe consequences if they uh, fell at their duty. So when it was all over the city that he'd been raised from the dead, and all his enemies needed to do was produce a dead body, and uh, nobody did. Exactly. If you read the Gospels, the official explanation that circulated at the
1: time to explain the empty tomb was that the disciples came while the soldiers slept and stole the body. <laughs> well, that kind of evidence would never hold up in a court of law. You know, the judge would ask, well, How do you know if you were sleeping? (laughs) Yeah, true. How do you know it was the disciples that came and took his body? You said you were asleep. (laughs) Some say that the Jews stole the body to prevent the disciples taking it and then announcing a resurrection. Well, if that's the case, all they had to do once the apostles were preaching that he's risen from the dead was to produce the dead body if they had taken it, you know. And then there's another theory that the disciples went to the wrong tomb, that they went to an empty tomb and they thought that's where Jesus was. Well, Again, all the Jews had to do was say, No, sorry, you went to the wrong tomb. Mm, he's here's the right, the right tomb and yeah. here's the body. Yeah. And the fact is that um you know, the Muslims, the Jews, the Buddhists all agree that their leaders never came out of their tombs. In fact, you can travel to their tombs and many do make pilgrimages to the tombs of Muhammad, Buddha, Abraham and so on. They're occupied to this day. Only Christianity boasts of an empty tomb for its founder. The early Christians turned the world upside down. The resurrection was the basis of their teaching, their worship, their living, and their dying. And it really stimulated the church, didn't it? Because the church just took off. Well, the church uh, now is five times the size of the Roman Empire at that time, the Roman Empire at the zenith of its power. You know, the Roman Empire that tried to to suffocate the church and, Mm. and, and, you know, eventually, of course, you know, it was the Romans that said, well, if you can't beat them, join them. You become the Roman church. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's another story. The fact is that the survival of a persecuted church and its global growth throughout 20 centuries can only be explained in terms of Jesus, the head of the church, conquering death and being alive today. And Phil, this same Jesus is alive. And for any listeners out there who, who don't know him, He wants to be real to them. He's waiting for them to invite him into their lives and he will save them as he saved you, he saved me and he'll be real to them as well.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of our series this week. Hope you can join us next week when we start a brand new one. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Lake and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.